Recently, Air Canada announced that they were dropping the phrase ladies and gentlemen from their greeting, and to be more inclusive, were changing it to the more generic everybody. This was done after the government of Canada began allowing people to mark their gender as X rather than male or female on their passports in an effort to recognize gender neutrality. Now, I can see how this can bother people. I am one who believes that there are only two sexes, male and female. Gender is not a social construct that is separate from your biological sex. This is also, I might add, the position of the church. But all that aside, who can complain about everybody being called, well, everybody? It's not as nice as ladies and gentlemen, but it's not wrong. It's not like saying, welcome to all men, women, and others, or something crazy like that. But I would say that being a lady or a gentleman describes your behavior more than it describes your sex. And considering that it's a flight where most people are not in their most ladylike or gentlemanly behavior, perhaps it is totally appropriate to just call them everybody. For the rest of us, let's just call each other brothers and sisters, or brethren if you want the gender neutral. Or how about we just stop worrying about what to call people and just treat them as children of God. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And I'm Allison Kenny. And yeah. uh, I'm going to say a special hello to all the people because it's the majority of people that watch, yeah. that watch, hello, that, that listen to the Salt and Light Hour. They're listening, not mm-hmm. watching. Yeah, you're right. They're listening uh, on the, in the car. Yeah, on SiriusXM yeah. channel, uh, the Catholic channel 129. Um, so special hello to you guys. Um, d- don't get too excited. You're driving. Um, <laughs> I, can't be, I can't be excited, right? But but it's a it's an hour long <laughs> show, so you might not be able to listen to the whole program because you know maybe you're only driving for 20 minutes or so. So just remember that all our shows are archived on our website saltandlighttv.org/radio. Billy's in charge of that website, so mm-hmm. if you don't Insurance. like it. <laughs> B- at B. Joe Chan yep. complain to Billy yeah, um, yeah <laughs> complain so to me talk to me come on Billy loves Billy loves anyway so to today him. we're back to our normal uh, we're not back we're continuing with our, our, our programming regular yes. programming mm-hmm. Allison our news producer mm-hmm. you have some interesting interesting news today yes Joe Biden is making Joe headlines Biden maybe not for the, for the right nicest reason. thing and yeah. for the right reasons yes okay good so we're going to hear about Joe Biden mm-hmm. and more I hope yes and more of okay. course more of that coming up very shortly after our song and then Mark Matthews is going to be back he's our undercover Hollywood missionary and he has uh, advice for people who want to uh, have a career in Hollywood. So oh, how to wow. prepare for a career in Hollywood. Both, wow. both Billy a, and Allison yeah. want careers in I Hollywood. I'm going to my CV. So, so, no, thanks. So it's Mark, not for me. Mark is a Canadian. He's been in, in working in Hollywood for many, many, many years. So good advice. That's all coming up after yeah. the news with Allison. And then after Mark Matthews, we have... The dummy question, right? The dummy yeah. question for dummies. Dummy Questions? question for church dummies. How about right? the sure, dummies sure, asking sure. a question? <laughs> the dummy asking a question too. I'm a dummy too. What's so the, today... <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Today we are going to talk about Incense. So uh, there are a incense. lot, a lot of questions about that. We are going mm. to, to, to talk about that. Okay. So question about incense with Billy in uh, for Church for Dummies, and then okay. Did you guys know? Do you know what week this is? November third to the ninth is no in the United States. No so idea. So I do, I forgive you because we're not in the United States. Yeah. But, but a lot of our listeners are, 
um, Vocation Awareness Week. Oh. Did you know that? Yes, I, I really did not know that. So November 3rd to the 9th in the United States is Vocation Awareness Week. It's it's a week that's dedicated to promoting vocations uh, to the priesthood, the diaconate, very important, the diaconate, and consecrated <laughs> life through prayer, education, and to renew our prayers and support for those who are considering any of those vocations. Very cool. Um, and it's always the first week in November. Is the whole week? It's the whole week mm. in the United States. Mm. Um, so we are going to be talking to, to, and I didn't know, but apparently Rhonda Gruenwald is called the Vocation Lady. Oh, wow. She uh, runs an organization called uh, vocationministry.com um, or Vocation Ministry. And because she, anyway, she's going to tell us all about it because we're going to be speaking with her in our second half hour. And this is the second edition of her book, Hundredfold. Um, and it's a guide to uh, starting a parish vocation ministry. We all have heard about youth ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. You've heard about music ministry. Music ministry. Yeah. Have you heard of vocation ministry? No. Never. Never, Never right? But there are lots of vocation directors. Yeah, that's right? true. And From every diocese. There are voca- but not in a parish. So it's not very no. common that a parish will have like a vocation ministry, right? Always the priest asking yeah. you, do you want to be a priest? Yeah, or, oh, you'd make a good exactly. about that. <laughs> or, or once a year. Once a yeah. year during Vocation Awareness Week, you hear, oh, you hear you like, let's pray, yeah. let's pray for all those people who are okay. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Rhonda Grunwald, the vocation lady, is going to talk to us about her book and going to give us some advice on um, how to start a parish uh, vocation ministry, vocation ministry in your parish. That's going to be in about twenty-five minutes, and then at the end of the show, okay, you guys should know the name Dan Schutte. Yeah, Dan Schutte, one of the St. Louis Jesuits. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> okay, Allison's looking at me. I like had a moment of blank a look, moment of, but <laughs> okay. So, so um, uh, they just had the St. Louis Jesuits. They've been around for fifty years. They just had a reunion concert, mm-hmm. and I'm Concerts so jealous because I would have wanted to go. I would have totally gone to that, um, but I didn't know it was it happening. Like a great time. Um, so we're going to be joined by Dan Schutte to tell us about that concert and to tell us about a new collection uh, by Oregon Catholic Press that has a lot of their hymns. And in case you have no idea what I'm talking about, okay, so be not afraid, yes. sing to the mountains like a shepherd, all wow. the ends of the There's earth, so the so cry like to the poor, come to the water, turn to me, one bread, one body. Even if you don't body. know them, you know this them. This alone, I lift up my soul, Jesus the Lord, lift up your hearts, all lift up your all hearts to the Lord, seek the Lord while he may we be don't, found. We don't, we don't Here need to hear I am, no, 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 this is not, not He's not no. Thank you. I will Thank walk you. out of this room. <laughs> Yahweh, I know <laughs> Thank you. you are near. Thank you, Pedro. Sing Thank you. You're gonna. Song. You're gonna. Okay. Everyone's turning so off the radio on their these, cars right now. All these are written by the St. Louis Jesuits. So you want to hear my conversation? It's not the first time. It's I think going to be the third time that Dan is on the program. So I'm really, really oh, excited I want to, to sing it now. To hear. <laughs> I got the new album. Right? It's no. never going to leave your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to start with a song. Yeah. So um, <laughs> anyway, just before we go to the song. Okay. Uh, which is a song that everybody's going to want to sing and then you won't be able to get it out of your head. <laughs> um, I just want to know that if people, again, if, if you are going to miss the rest of the program and you really want to tune into that conversation with Dan Schutte about the St. Louis Jesuits reunion, um, you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Just look for the Salt and Light Catholic Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast. <laughs> the Salt and Light Catholic Hour Podcast. Anyway, sh- it should Salt come up. Hour. You can just search Salt and Light Hour. You can yeah. probably just search Catholic Podcast and it'll come up. Yeah. Um, so no excuses. Okay, so song? Yeah. It's going to be one of those that I just named and we're not going to sing it. Which well, we're, gonna, it? we're all going to sing it, it when we play it. <laughs> Which okay, is it? So here is from the new collection of favorite hymns coming home, a final celebration, the St. Louis Jesuits with Lift Up Your Hearts.
That was the St. Louis Jesuits with Lift Up Your Hearts from their new collection published by Oregon Catholic Press, Coming Home, A Final Celebration. Um, and we're going to be speaking with one of those St. Louis Jesuits, Dan Schutte, in about 30 minutes. Allison's excited, and she's still I here sure with am. our I news. Am still here, yes. Are you still singing, Lift Up Your Hearts? It's not going to be out of my head now for many, <laughs> many a week. <laughs> so, so, okay, yes, yeah, some news. So, we have not had a show since the Synod ended, because our no. last show was on the day the yes. Synod ended. So, the final document has come out. That is sort of my top story, the top thing that's being talked about in the Catholic universe. Yeah. Um, I think it's important for people to remember this document has no legal or binding authority on its own. Uh-huh. It is just the re- recommendations of the bishops from this region to the Pope. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the big things that are making headlines are they are giving a proposal for in very remote areas of the Amazon that potentially married indigenous elders could be yeah. brought into the ministerial priesthood. 
Um, and again, just in the remote parts where yes. there aren't enough priests um, to to fulfill mm-hmm. the needs of those communities. Um, another one, they're calling for a renewed exploration of admitting women to the diaconate. Now, we know there was a commission about the female diaconate um, that I think came to an inconclusive conclusion. So yep. I guess they're saying we would welcome it if there was further exploration. So yes. we'll we'll see. And I know you have talked about that on here and yes, in have. the office and how yes. it's a very it's contentious issue. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll see. And then yes. also, you know, potentially maybe enculturating the liturgy in that area even more with a, a sort of Amazonian rite, possibly in the same vein of what yeah, already exists. I, which I think is a brilliant certain, idea. Yeah. And, it and not just exists. Amazonian, I think indigenous. Exactly. It would be yeah, like an indigenous, indigenous rite the, oh, way there's a, the way there's an Eastern rite, like a Ukrainian rite or mm-hmm. a Mal- Malkite rite. And there's different, even or within the, the Latin rite. rite. Yeah, that's true. The Anglican. So and the Latin rite, rite in yeah. Africa has its own special yes. traditions yes. and things associated with it. So it's not unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Now, the story about Joe Biden that I mentioned at the top of the hour. So he was refused communion at a Catholic Catholic, church. Yes. In case people don't know. So, yes, he is a baptized Catholic, but he was refused communion at a church in South Carolina while he Uh was on the campaign campaign trail for the presidency. Mm -hmm. Um, And the priest who refused him wrote in a statement because uh, papers were asking him for comment that Holy Communion signifies we are one with God, with each other and the church. Our actions should reflect that. And so any public figure who advocates for abortion places himself or herself outside of Mm -hmm. church teaching. So he, I guess, was saying his reasoning Mm -hmm. was that, well, Joe Biden is publicly placing himself outside of the church. Therefore, he can't partake of the sacrament. It's a very contentious issue. You know, I think someone was saying to me, Pope Benedict had issued guidelines for if a priest does encounter somebody who is publicly living in a manner or advocating Mm -hmm. for things contrary to church teaching, that the priest should take them aside and explain, hey, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I don't think I can give you communion. Uh, Maybe this priest didn't have the chance to do that. I'm not sure. It's so, but that's But but I get it because either way, it's scandal. It's scandal if he doesn't give him communion. It's scandal if he does give him communion. Exactly. Um, So there's, it's yeah, just it's either way, one. it was a very difficult situation. Interesting. I wonder what Joe Biden had to say about it. I don't know. He wasn't, a, he a wasn't asked for comment. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Interesting. And then my final story is that the Pope has changed the name of the Vatican's secret archives. Okay. They're now to be called the Vatican Apostolic Archives, essentially because in modern language, secret can be misunderstood and kind yes. of have ambiguous or negative connotations. Yes. But it really just means that they were private archives. Mm-hmm. So the Pope said, you know, the church is not afraid of its history. It loves it right. and would like to love it even more and better as God loves it. So that's uh, t- that new title is more in line with makes perfect sense with exactly with what the archives are meant to do. OK, I thought he was going to change the name to the Vatican Public Archives. Right. There <laughs> you go. They're not Just secret anymore. They're not private. I guess they're still private, <laughs> but they're the apostolic or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Thank you, Allison, You're for welcome. those news. Allison Kenny, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can follow her at the Allison Kenny. Coming up is our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, with What's Good in Hollywood. Tips on uh, how to have a career in Hollywood, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Matthias Michael, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Ethan Pedro. Do you want to contact us? Email radio at saltandlighttv.org or just look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or you can send us a direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. 
Omar. Hello, Pedro. Welcome back, my friend. You're in the in the in the fire zone in California, aren't you? We are. The fires are raging just ten miles down the road wow, from me. Wow, ten and, miles. Uh, yep, many of the celebrities who live in these homes in the hills on the edge of the city have to be evacuated. Really? So. But you're okay. You're safe. I'm okay. I live in the valleys with all the other regular <laughs> poor, poor people. All the Half other poor people in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Half of L.A. would have to burn before it gets to my home. So. My goodness. Wow. Well, keep our prayers are with you all in yes, California. In your yes, for sure. So, what are we talking about today? Well, you know, being that it's the fall, this is the time everyone goes back to school, uh, this is actually mm-hmm. one of my most common questions that I get. And they say, you know, Mark, uh, do I go to film school? What do I study? How do I get ready for a career in Hollywood? And so uh, there's, it's, it's going to depend on your situation, but I have a few tips for people. Okay. So, um, so I, you know, I kind of joke. It's like, you know, you've heard me speak at length about how hard it is to support yourself while you're pursuing your craft in Hollywood. Yeah. But really, you want two degrees. You know, you want the money-making degree, yes. and then, you know, you're going to want, you know, your artistic degree. Yes, so, yes. Um, but that's maybe not practical for most people. But if you have something like a law degree and you can just practice law from home and then go out for your, you know, acting, you know, call out uh, auditions and callbacks, you know, then that would be ideal. So, yeah. Or just be an entertainment lawyer and forget about acting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just forget about your artistic yeah, career. Yeah. Forget about the artistic so. career. Just be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, but as I, I kind of joke about that, you know, it's an interesting trend that I've noticed is that acad- your academic skills are highly transferable to artistic skills. Okay. And yeah, so there, I, I've noticed, like I, I've, you know, I, you get to meet a lot of successful people here, and I'm like, wow, what makes them successful? What what are their, what are their tricks? Yeah. And I've noticed that ma- most of them are are very skilled in all these other areas. Okay. So there's a couple well-known of examples of say Mayim Bialik. From the Big Bang Theory, she mm-hmm. actually has a PhD in neuroscience. Really, and yeah, Danica McKellar, who you might one might remember from the Wonder Years, uh-huh. uh, she has co-authored peer-reviewed mathematical papers. Wow, um, and these are not outliers. Mm-hmm. This is actually very, very common. Uh, and maybe, maybe it's it could even be the thing too that like only the people that kind of have the discipline, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of maybe all these other soft non-artistic skills that you need. To but I do also think there is kind of a lot of transferred, you know, yeah, yeah, for sort sure. of intelligence. Yeah. So the other thing I've noticed is that most people who are successful, they pursue their art recreationally before their formal training. Uh-huh. So, you know, most of them say came from a good home and they acted in, acted in extracurricular plays mm-hmm. or TV commercials or they learned an instrument, you yep. know, they were a drummer or something. Or maybe they even, you know, did short films through their high school or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a pattern I've seen over and over and over again. It's kind of like the formal training is just sort of formalizing and finishing off kind of what they've already been doing, you know, Mm -hmm. their whole life as a kid. Mm -hmm. So if if you're a homeschooling parent, you know, making these kind of opportunities, you know, does really pay off. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, The other big question I get all the time is, do I go to film school or do I not go to film school? Uh-huh. And considering that it's a ridiculous amount of money, probably like $100,000 U.S. to go to film school, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a decision you, you don't want to make lightly. So my general advice is that if you can get to a top film school, something like USC, UCLA, you know, the American Film Institute or NYU, yeah. Yeah. They, those, those kind of degrees generally tend to give you a lot of credibility that will kind of carry you through 
some of the more difficult years, mm-hmm. people will say, oh, they're a USC grad. Oh, it's like, well, they must have some, you know, artistic skill. Um, but if you don't get into kind of one of those top schools, what people are really going to judge you by is not by your degree, but by your reel. Um, mm-hmm. Hollywood is sort of very much a, a yeah. demonstrated skill place. If they see it on your reel, means they know you can do it. Exactly. So I would say maybe even consider, you know, not spending all that money and use it to fund. I've heard people say they're like, maybe you should just use it to fund, you know, like four or five short films that you produced in those two years. And that potentially could give you just as much experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Good advice. Good advice from Mark Matthews. You do not need to go to school to go to Hollywood, you can just... Hey, drop uh, out of school. Drop out Kids of school. Kids at home, don't go to school. And uh, write to Mark Matthews, and he'll tell you how to, how to do it. Um, okay, yeah. well, that's good. And, uh, and uh, there's no spiritual message today. Just how to make it in Hollywood. Okay, that, that's okay. Yeah, that's how to make it to... in Hollywood. Just pure and simple. Make lots of money. You know what? We need evangelizers in Hollywood, so if people want to have a career in Hollywood, they can go be pastors or preachers or missionaries. How's that? How's that? Go to preacher school. That, that could be the second degree. That can be the second degree. That's not going to make any money either. That's not a money-making degree. Um, go be a lawyer. There you go. All right. There you have it. Mark, thanks for the advice. Uh, yes. How to be uh, successful in Hollywood or how to even just make it to Hollywood. Uh, Mark, Yeah. Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at HU Missionary. Hey everybody, it's Marie Miller, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play Store, and take the show wherever you go. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies! With Billy Chan. Okay, so uh, today, you know, we have been talking about church architecture, like, you know, what are we going to... What we should put in a church. Another thing that I, yeah. I was thinking about is about the incense. Okay. Um, it's not a furniture, no. you know, but, um, you know, the, the, the incense burner is, I would say, the, is the incense burner. You mean the container? I do not know how to say it. So Where you put the incense? Yes. The thurible. Thurible. It's okay. a sensor, but we call okay. it it's a thurible. It okay. comes from a Latin word. I see. So it's, it's very beautiful. You know, yeah. it's a very beautiful um, uh, burner. Yeah. But you know, when you know when when we have uh, very important mass uh-huh. uh, celebrations, we always have incense. Yes. Why? What is incense? Well, incense. I think that the first thing is that incense symbolizes that our prayers are rising. So it's Psalm one forty one. Okay. Um. Uh. Let my prayer, O Lord, rise uh-huh. like incense. Um. So, but I think incense also. Uh. Um, creates an ambience of heaven. There's 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 a, a reference in the book of Revelations about the the angel that had incense. So it's like in, in heaven, there's going to be angels with incense. Um, and it also, of course, dates back to to the to the Jewish tradition, which is also related to the yeah. psalm. Yeah. But also where where in the book of Exodus, God God Himself tells Moses to build a censer. And to burn incense, and every time, like where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was a, an, an incense altar, and incense is burned with every offering. Oh, okay. Um, so we're following the tradition, actually, from so, Moses. So it is a tradition, yeah. So I would think that the early Christians continued that because they were Jewish. 
um, and it was a thing. But apparently, I mean, incense is used in other traditions as well, Buddhism, uh, uh, indigenous people. They they burn yeah. uh, sweet grass and other yeah. other herbs. This, yeah, like for they purification bo- and sanctification. So I think it incense symbolizes a lot of things. Yes. So uh, let's do it more practical thing. So uh-huh. w- w- um, how do we use it? So when, when we see it in Mars, you know, you always like swing the the thurible, right? Yeah. Swing it. Yeah. And swing it like different a number of times to different things. So like okay, you swing so, to, to the altar, yeah. to the podium, the, to I mean the, 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 the leg, how to say it's that? actually to the to the to the word. Okay, so, okay. so ho- hold on a second. Yes. So um, not only do we use incense at mass. Okay. Because if you go to a monastery during morning prayer or evening prayer, oh, they, they use will use too? incense during the Benedictus in the morning prayer and during okay. the Magnificat in the evening prayer. Also during benediction or expo- exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, when you do benediction, there's you, okay. you can use incense. So it's not just at mass. Okay. Now at mass, we normally use the incense on solemn occasions. So to make it look like there's something different happening. Okay. If we used incense every time, we kind of would it's lose its yeah. meaning. Um, although in, in the anymore. Eastern churches, they use incense all the time. Okay. Um, now, I would say that, so, uh, question for Billy. Um, <laughs> uh, Christ is made presence at the Mass when? Uh, Eucharist. In the Eucharist, so, and then three other places. In um, four places. Uh, uh, okay, so, so Christ is made present the, with the Eucharist. Eucharist, yeah. the altar. Can I say that? No, uh, you can say it, but but no. Okay, okay, okay. I, you you lost me. So you Christ know? is made present in the office of the priest. Christ is made present in the Eucharist. Christ oh, is present okay. in the Word. Oh, in the Word proclaimed. Okay. And Christ is made present in the people. So those are the things that we incense. So when ah. the priest comes in, he's incensing the altar. He's not incensing the altar. I mean, the okay. altar is a symbol of Christ. Okay. But he's incensing the consecration because of what's going to happen there. We incense the book, but we're not incensing the book. We're incensing the word that is going to be proclaimed. We're incensing the priest and the deacons and the, because they're the, in the office of the priest, Christ is made present. And then you incense the people because Christ is made present in the people assembled. Um, and okay. then in other circum- in other occasions, like with the Easter, we, we will incense the Easter candle, yeah. or sometimes we incense the creche or the nativity scene at Christmas, oh, um, or a statue of Mary if it's a Marian feast. Um, but generally, it's those four. I see. Um, so how many times? Like, you know... So normally you would do two. Okay. Um, so if it's to the people or to the priest or to the book, is it's twice, three times. So one, two, one, two, one, two. If it's to God, like to the consecration on the altar, you do three, three mm. times. I see. What if somebody cannot stand for the smell of uh, the incense? Th- then it's too bad. <laughs> I would say it's the same per- it's same as the person that's gluten-free and can't take the Eucharist. You're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. too bad. I mean, there's there, if, you, if it bothers you, you have to sit in the back. Okay, last question. Is it expensive? Um, I think that real frankincense, the real yeah, kind, is yeah. expensive, yes. Wow. So a lot of churches will do a combination or they'll get a cheaper kind. I see. Yeah, it okay, is. Okay, okay. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, yeah, um, good questions about incense. Maybe people have some stories about incense that they yeah. want to share with us uh, at Deacon Pedro GM or at um, Joe Chan. Chan. Thank you, Billy, Thank our you. master here at Salt and Light. Again, follow him at Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, how to start a parish vocation ministry and a featured conversation with Dan Schutte of the St. Louis Jesuits. So stay tuned.
Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. You may not know that this week, November 3rd to the 9th, is National Vocation Awareness Week. It was celebrated in the United States as a day since 1976, and since 2013, it is now a whole week, the first week of November every year. The purpose is to promote vocations to the priesthood, diaconate, and consecrated life through prayer and education, and to renew our prayers and support for those who are considering one of these particular vocations. So, how do we promote vocations? Is it something we should only do one week a year? How do we have a vocation-minded parish? Earlier this week, I had a chance to speak with Rhonda Gruenwald, who is often referred to as the vocation lady. She has great tips on starting a vocation ministry in your parish. Rhonda, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much for having me on. So, Rhonda, we're talking about vocations, and maybe the first thing we need to do is just make sure that we're all talking about the same thing. When you talk about vocations, what do you mean? So I mean what the Church has given to us. First of all, that everybody has a call to holiness. Uh That is our first call. So if everybody in the Church were striving for holiness on a daily basis, we would have our seminaries full, our religious houses would be full, our marriages would be holy, (laughs) okay? But um, that is, not everybody's doing that. But the second call that the Church puts forward is to the priesthood, religious life, or sacramental marriage. So that's what I promote in... Uh, my book and and my website and what all of all that I do. Okay, I just want to put in a plug in for for the single life. What it, what it, what is the church saying about that single life as a vocation? Well, the we know that those who are single and living their lives for Christ are very you know it's a dignity and they have a dignity and they are helpful in whatever the church is doing. Uh-huh. Um, and many of them are giving their lives to Christ in that way. Um, the Church recognizes consecrated single life yes. as part of consecrated of life, life yeah. that vocation. But yeah. the, the single life, just if you say—I think there's a confusion there, Deacon, that's uh-huh. the thing, yeah. is that if you just say single life is a vocation, then people are like, cool, I'm a bachelor, I have a vocation, I'm, go- I'm done, I can check the box. Okay. But that's not the case. What we really mean when we say single is we mean— consecrated single life. They are dedicated to the okay. Church in a special way. Okay, yeah, because I do think that there's confusion, and some even some people that f- don't feel the need to be consecrated, but but are called to be single, and they're, they're celibate, they're single, um, but they feel that it's not a transitional state. But but anyway, so, so you're mainly talking about uh, vocations to the, to the ordained life, the religious life, consecrated life, or married life. Yes. Correct. So why do parishes need vocation ministry? Well, it's proven to in different ways. So um, a newly ordained 2019 survey, so uh-huh. of all those who are newly ordained, yeah. they said that 70% of them, so 70% said uh, that they first heard the call between birth and 18 years of age. Uh-huh. 70%. Uh-huh. So... That means that while they're active at the parish is when they heard the call. Uh But so many vocations are not being realized because those calls are just falling away. Maybe, for for example, the Holy Spirit has stirred in their hearts, maybe I should be a priest, or maybe that's what God's made me to be. And then that thought goes right out of their head as they go Mm -hmm. on about their week, and then they don't hear vocations spoken about in their parish, 
joyful witnesses aren't brought in to talk about vocations. Uh, they're not praying for vocations, so there's no intentionality uh-huh. for that. And so they just don't revisit it. They, and so many vocations are not realized in that respect. And we know what happens at the parish matters. We did an unofficial survey of our seminarians in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, Yeah, and found that 80% of the seminarians came from the 20% of parishes that intentionally promote vocation. Uh-huh. Interesting, interesting. But it seems to me, and, and I know we're going to get more, a little more details in, in a little bit, but it seems to me that having a vocation ministry is more than just promoting vocations. Um, well, it's definitely leading everybody to be more intentional about praying for vocations. That's the first step. Yeah, We need everybody praying for vocations. I don't think that many people no. are doing so or realize they should be doing that, mm-hmm. uh, or that we need that, that they're, we need them to pray for their own priests and their own priest's holiness, uh-huh. and we need to pr- them to pray for an increase in a generous answers from men and women in their parish. Yeah. So that is the the first step of a vocation ministry is to get it, getting everybody praying. Uh-huh. And then they're bringing awareness to vocations in simple ways. Okay. For example, um, book the church book rack, making sure there are materials there, making uh-huh. announcements okay. at mass when there are certain days that we promote vocations, mm-hmm. like National Vocation Awareness Week here in the U.S. or a World Day of Prayer for Vocations, that is a worldwide day that everybody's supposed to be praying for vocations. Yes, yeah. And then bringing in um, joyful witnesses and making sure that there's encounters with these joyful witnesses with the youth and putting in, putting that in fun ways in front of the youth. You okay. know, that we They see that vocations is something... Uh, good and holy and and, and, and normal and not yeah. something far off. Yeah, you know, that it's not just the priest on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if anyone's joining at this time, uh, you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and I'm speaking with Rhonda Gruenwald. She's the author of Hundredfold: A Guide to Parish Vocation Ministry. So we're talking about vocations. Rhonda, you're a convert. So how did you come to feel called to start voc- a vocation ministry in your own parish? So true. This was not my plan at all. <laughs> I had no uh, no plan of this. So um, I came into the church in 1999, mm-hmm. and then in 2011 we had a brand new parochial vicar, an associate pastor at okay. our parish, yeah. Father Victor Perez. He called out of the blue one day at my house and said, can you and your husband come to a meeting about priests and such? Very vague, up to okay. three hours at the church. <laughs> and I went to this meeting where they were trying to resurrect a parish vocation committee, but being a convert and not hearing the word vocation in our church, uh-huh. I had no idea what we were oh, talking about. Yeah. So, uh, but that didn't matter, thankfully, because Father Victor said, this is one of the most important things we could do at our parish, Rhonda. So I'm in. I'm in. So I'm like, and I'll lead this thing. Father. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I went home and I researched and found that there was nothing comprehensive to tell me how to do this work. So we just let the Holy Spirit guide us. We started praying and promoting vocations in all kinds of different ways at our parish. And about 18 months into that work, the leadership in the archdiocese said, how can we do this all over Houston? Hmm. And I said, well, maybe I could write a pamphlet. Wonderful. And 17 months later, Hundredfold was born, uh, the guide to how to do all of this. And then I started getting requests all around the country to speak and give workshops to parishioners and priests telling them, sharing with them how to do this work at their parish. Mm-hmm. So in the last four years, since the book's been out, 
I've given 75 workshops in 45 dioceses. Wonderful. To equip parishioners and priests. Wonderful. Uh, for people that don't quite get it, why the title Hundredfold? Oh, so that comes easily from, we have Mark. Mark says, some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit yes. yielding 30, 60, and 100 fold. Yes. And so uh, I look at us, the vocation ministries on the ground, the people doing the work, they're like the gardeners, just tilling the soil to make it fertile so that when the Holy Spirit decides to call a young man or young woman to the priesthood or religious life, that they can easily say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you already spoke a little bit about some some ideas for activities or what that vocation-minded parish looks like. Um, the book, as you said, it's a guide. It's got activities. It comes with a little poster calendar that I love um, with ideas. Can you give us some maybe examples of, of the kinds of things that are easy to do that a parish could do? Um, whether it's an activity or, like you said, to promote prayer or to to have a fun way to have vocations in front of young people um, and maybe not so young people uh, to yeah, to, sure, to, right? Because to help we do parish. need to get in front of the adults and yeah. gran- so parents and grandparents, yeah, who many times are getting in the way of a vocation. Yep, um, we need to inspire them too, so that they are supportive of their child or grandchild's vocation. Um, so some interesting, easy things to do. For example, a prayer drive for their priest. That was the very first okay. activity we did at St. Cecilia in Houston, was we had a sign-up sheet for every for everybody just to sign up when they would pray for one of our priests. Okay, yeah. And it was so easy. We put out this, the... And we just created a spreadsheet, so easy to do, and it can you can download it from, my, um, from yeah. vocationministry.com. Okay. And we had 250 people sign up that weekend. Yeah. So it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And you know what? That Yeah. I, I, I think that everybody should be doing that anyway, whether they have a vocation right. ministry or not in their parish. I agree. They okay. should all be Absolutely. praying for their priests. And their deacons. They should be praying for their deacons, too. Yes. Um, totally agree. Okay. So the book, uh, just to let everybody know, the book is full of activities. There's activities for the whole year, but I don't want people to feel that it's an overwhelming thing because you can pick and choose, find the ones that, that work. Some uh, require a budget, but not all of them. So some are really easy to do, like the one you just uh, suggested, Rhonda, read uh, cheap or free to do and it's just to start changing the mindset of people in our parishes um, so that we can have a vocation-minded parish. Rhonda, thank you for the work that you do and for telling us a little bit about it today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Everybody, let's pray for vocations. That was a conversation I had with Rhonda Gruenwald earlier this week. Her book, Hundredfold, a guide to parish vocation ministry can be found at vocationministry.com. To listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, and look for the Salt and Light Hour. Here now again are the St. Louis Jesuits with Turn to Me from the new Oregon Catholic Press collection, Coming Home, a Final Celebration. Oh,
flesh that fades is made like the grass of the That was the St. Louis Jesuits with Turn to Me from the new Oregon Catholic Press collection, Coming Home, a Final Celebration. I think that most of you, if you've been to Mass at all in the last 50 years, surely you've heard of the St. Louis Jesuits. If not, you've probably heard most of their songs, Be Not Afraid, Here I Am, Lord, Sing a New Song, One Bread, One Body. There are so many. The St. Louis Jesuits are Bob Dufford, John Foley, Tim Mannion, Rock O'Connor, and Dan Schutte. And recently, they had a reunion concert in St. Louis, Missouri. And joining me now to tell us more is Dan Schutte. Dan, so good to have you back on the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro. Thanks for having me. So I'm so jealous because I was not able to be at the concert with you guys. So you have to tell me all about it. What was it like? It was an amazing event. So we... We, first of all, we chose St. Louis. Yeah, of course. Because it was where we began of 50 course. years ago. And so we called it the Coming Home Concert. Yeah. And um, we we uh, put tickets on sale through our stlouisjesuits.com website. Yeah. And Powell Hall about uh, late May or early June. And within a it month, probably it was sold, sold out. out. Yeah, I know. It's oh. just, Powell Hall is a gorgeous venue, 2,600. Yeah. Mm-hmm. seats, mm-hmm. and where the symphony plays in St. Louis. Right. And and so we, um, the, the concert was an amazing event, um, very uh, profoundly moving, I think, for the five of us. 
I can part imagine. of that was knowing that this this was going to be the last time that we would sing mm-hmm. all five of us together. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we're going to stop doing music, but <clears throat> but as, as far as doing yeah. performances like this, where all five of us are present, you know, it'll be the last time. When, when um, would have sorry to interrupt? When would have been the last time that the five of you were together? We were together about three and a half years ago in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Did yeah. a concert there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the experience, first of all, we, Deacon Pedro, we, we wanted this coming home concert, this last, this last concert to be less about a focus on the five of us mm. and to be, to have it be more celebration of the people. Right. And so we, we wanted to make sure that we, we had programs with with all the music in, so every so everybody could sing. Yeah. Music of the people. It's not meant yeah. for performance. Yeah, yeah of course. It's meant meant for participation, like we do when we come to church. I can imagine that everybody would have been singing every song. Oh my gosh! Yes, it was. It was. It was quite moving. No, that's a that, yeah. And so, 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 hold on. So, for people who who were not there, and they, 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 so, did, were you? So, the five of you were were playing. A lot of you play guitar. Did you have musicians playing with you, or symphony we musicians? Did. Yeah. We, so there, the sort of the the home of our original music was at St. Louis University, the, at the University St. Francis Xavier College Church, yeah, which is only about three blocks uh-huh. from Powell Hall, yeah. And so we we enlisted the help of the the man uh, Ray Chirac, who's director of music at the College Church, okay. to gather a choir of people of uh, singers and instrumentalists. So there was there was a, a choir of about 120. What a great voices. opportunity! Wow, yeah, and a, and a small orchestra of uh, probably 15, 18 players. Wow, many of whom play with the St. Louis Symphony. Uh huh. Um, to, to be there with us. So we led with our guitars and, and a few, and some with piano, but, um, yeah. so we had a, a, a grand orchestra and choir there on stage How with wonderful. us. How wonderful. How wonderful. <laughs> And Not to mention the twenty six hundred people. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. Out of the audience singing. that would have been singing. What a what a feeling. Um, we, you you and I we've spoken before about a, a lot of the the music that you've been writing. You're certainly continuing uh, uh, doing liturgical music. But what are some of the other guys doing? How are they doing? How are their health? Um, we're all good so far. Our, our ages span. About let me see about twelve years. So John Foley, the oldest, oldest, just turned eighty this summer. Oh my goodness! And he's the only one of the five of us who actually lives in St. Louis. Right. He's, he's in the Good. Jesuit community. So he University. didn't have to travel far. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was it was easy for him. Yeah. To do this, he's he's essentially retired, but um, he keeps his finger. I I think he might do some some graduate student program, okay. uh, graduate student direction of their their uh, degree programs yeah um rock o'connor uh who's the second youngest i'm i'm the middle of the five okay so rock, rock o'connor's the the second youngest is in milwaukee wisconsin uh-huh. and the concert was actually rock's inspiration to begin with and then the rest good. of us you know dove in and agreed that it was a good idea mm-hmm. tim manning who's the youngest lives in seattle uh-huh um I'm presently in San Francisco, and Bob Dufford is at the Jesuit Retreat 
retreat house yeah. in Iowa. It's it's just across the border from uh, Omaha. Yeah. So his his actual community is Creighton University. Right. So he does retreat work. And he just came out with a wonderful new collection of music for the spiritual exercises. Oh, nice. nice. Called um, As Tongues of Fire. Nice. Nice. So you guys are still uh, still active, still doing uh, good work for the church. Um, yeah, you know, like that. You, I just want to go back to that idea that you're you're on stage. It must have been wonderful. There's all of the everybody in the audience is singing all these songs. Um, I've heard you guys described as like the Beatles of liturgical music. Um, yes, I mean you are. Uh, That's the, the idea that I mean. There, there's something to do. I mean, you're not writing music to be rich. To, you know, but the idea that people know your songs, I mean, they, they know your songs more than they know who you are, maybe. Like, who, yes. They don't know who wrote the song. They might not know who the song those Jesuits that's, are. But then that's very true. They know, very here I am, Lord, be not afraid. Right. Um, what does that feel? What, you know, what does that feel like? You know, like? It, it's, it's this wonderful sense of, 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 of God having his hand on us from the very beginning and, and doing something with our music that we didn't, we didn't plan. We didn't set out no. to do this, you know, and, but God taking small steps here and there and, yeah. and our being able and willing to say yes mm-hmm. to God's inspiration, um, led us to this wonderful story that, that God has told through our music mm-hmm. and, and, as you know, and your listeners probably know, there are so many stories that people have. One of the amazing things of, of this event was having so many people come up to each of us and say, you know, oh my gosh, you know, Be Not Afraid has meant so much to me in mm-hmm. my journey of faith. Mm-hmm. We sang it at my our wedding, yeah. and we sang it at my parents' funerals, and, mm-hmm. and so... It, it feels like such a uh, a gift and a privileged place to to have in people's lives. Not not for us, you know. You're totally right. People, a lot of people don't know who Dan Schutte is. No, but they do know. Here I am, Lord. Yeah, of course. And they don't know Bob Duffer, but they do know. Be not afraid. Yeah, and so forth. Yeah, and so it's about the music and and this wonderful story that God chose to tell tell through the five of us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that and that in a in a in a funny strange way you've been able to be part of important moments in people's lives um yes uh, we don't have a lot of time dan but what <laughs> i'm gonna put you on the spot uh which is your favorite song <laughs> maybe we can stick to the, just the collection what's in the in the collection of the the that just came out yes can can you say which is your favorite the, the favorite song of the collection? No, for you. For me. <clears throat> you know, my probably my favorite song is is a song that John Foley sang at the concert that's oh. on the collection. It's called A Song of Hope. Oh my goodness, yeah. And it's 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 the voice of God singing to people, I know the plans I have for you, plans of fullness, not of harm. So it's so it's, he called it song of hope because it's the song that looks forward to the future that you know even even though the five of us are are 
much grayer and some of us are bald and, and <laughs> don't have as much energy as we did back 50 years ago. It's, it's about a God who tells this wonderful story of hope, mm-hmm. both through our music, but also in people's lives. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's about the future and looking forward to, um, to what, what awaits us in heaven. Yeah. And that's that's a wonderful way to, to end, because I would say, and that's probably not one of the most well-known songs, but I would say no. that all your songs are giving people hope. And for that, Dan, I thank you and, and the rest of the guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Thanks for having me. So that song, Song of Hope, can be heard in this new collection album that just was released by Oregon Catholic Press. All the songs are remastered, so it's good, good to, to get them, and, and, and uh, you have all the songs in one place. Um, so that's through Oregon Catholic Press. You can, it's called Coming Home. And it's called Coming Home, a celebration of, a final celebration, right? Coming Home, a final celebration by Oregon Catholic Press. Thank you, Dan, again, for all that you, that you do and, and for what you're going to continue doing, because I'm sure I'll have you back on the program before we know it. I look forward to it. You can learn more about Dan Schutte at and his music at his website, danschutemusic.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily in case you can't spell Schutte. Um, the St. Louis Jesuits also have a site, stlouisjesuits.com. And of course, you can purchase all their music, not just that collection, through Oregon Catholic Press. Um, here now to take us out, as it happens often at Mass, um, here are the St. Louis Jesuits with all the ends of the earth from the new OCP collection, Coming Home, A Final Celebration. We're listening to the St. Louis Jesuits with All the Ends of the Earth from the new collection Coming Home, A Final Celebration, which is available through Oregon Catholic Press. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And you can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or the Google Play Store. Look for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast. You can contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. Thank you for being with us. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.